0: Hello and welcome to Freeball, the volleyball podcast. My name is Louis and I am joined here by guest host Sam Dunbavin.
1: Lovely to be here. Thanks for having me on. All eyes
0: on Hamburg. Two days away. First game uh, hits on Friday. It's currently Wednesday in the recording studio of Crystal Palace in London. And we have a real special guest coming on the show today. Tim Simmons has been involved in beach volleyball since anyone can remember, and he really is an encyclopedia of beach volleyball. So we're gonna talk all about Hamburg, his opinions. We're also going to get all the stats that he brings to the table in his role of working with Beach Volleyball Database and also working alongside the FIVB in just being a fountain of beach volleyballing knowledge. But today, me and Sam will have a quick look through Hamburg and what we think is going to happen over the next couple of weeks before hearing the opinions of Tim Simmons himself. So, Sam, what do you reckon?
1: Um, well, uh, I think we were going to talk about the the men's first, um, and we were saying before the program that really it's um, kind of a three or four team race. in In, in your opinion, Louis, um, what do you think? Who who uh, who's who who stands a chance of taking the title for you in the men's side?
0: It's crazy, isn't it? We look at the way the men's game has shaped up over the past couple of years. That in some ways, one team out of 12 could win it and then when you look at the main contenders on form four or five so you could look at even there's a case for Lucena Dauhauser or there's a case for still for Alisson or teams like that but really we've had the Norwegians at the forefront of everything having won what five in a row last year three in a row this year mm-hmm. um, um and Krasilnikov having won two already this year and then you look at Evandro Bruno coming to the forefront again, they would be your three main hitters, maybe Fidulek and Brill as well.
1: Yeah, talk to me about uh, Fidulek and Brill. How do you see them playing out in this tournament? They're a team that can make the final
0: four, in my opinion. They can make the finals. Have they got enough to win it? If you look at their track record, they haven't won a world tour event, but they've lost in the final four or five times before. Does that show a team that can go and win a world champs? You wouldn't think so because you'd feel that you'd have to be in those situations more or less all the time to be successful but you never know like they're, they're good enough it's just can they pull it out the bag on the big occasion having failed to do so mm. multiple times before is is a massive massive um question for them can they do it under pressure
1: yeah and uh, let's talk about uh some german teams do you see any german contenders in the men's side of the draw Thole and
0: Vickler, I think, uh, are the team. They surprised a few in the World Tour Finals last year, making the final rounds. Home stage, big occasion. Yes, will they be one of the best teams? Will Thol be one of the best blockers? Absolutely. Is this World Championship maybe a little bit too soon for them? Potentially, but could they reach the latter stages? Yeah. But are they a winning team? I I don't think they've quite got it to go all the way but they can definitely be in in amongst it come business time
1: okay and uh, another team to throw out there we haven't talked about them yet um they're definitely a big tournament team uh, Nikolai and Lupo back on the circuit uh what's your thoughts
0: uh, he was obviously here um Nikolai and Lupo have struggled with injury problems can they yes this is why it's so open of course they can they can beat any team on their day like and they've They've got so much experience, but have they had the off-season? Has Lupo had the amount of training sessions and game? Is he as in rhythm as other teams have been playing? No. So is he going to be feeling confident in what's happening? Probably not 100%, but can they, can they get there? Yeah, but I would say a fifth. Mm. I, w- I would have Nikolai Lupo in as a fifth at the minute.
1: Uh, let's talk about a team that has just been grinding out results. Um, Herrera Gavira, thoughts? Can they win one?
0: Top 10, yes. 100% top 10. Top 4. Are they big enough? Is the question. Yeah, they've made a final this year, but if you look at the teams at the moment, Maul Sorum, Storinovsky, Krasilnikov, Evandro Bruno, they're packing massive, massive blockers, and that might just be their downside come, come Hamburg. Are they quite big enough to go and make four or five blocks in a set because that's what well Evandro can make four or five aces Mole can make four or five blocks I don't think Evandro can make four or five aces but uh, sorry Evandro can make four or five aces I don't think he can make four or five blocks but he can get teams so out of system mm-hmm. in their service reception that all of a sudden yeah they're going to be feeling the pressure and Bruno will make more defences
1: um, let's talk about the Americans so we've mentioned uh, Lucena Dalhauser I mean the team that the form team over in the States really have been um, Crab and Gibb uh, let's talk about them what do you think uh, are their chances uh, in Hamburg
0: again it just shows how open the draw is doesn't it like there's so many amazing teams like is Taylor Crab one of the best defenders in the world absolutely uh, is Jake Gibb one of the best blockers in the world <laughs> absolutely like he goes super late and he's a challenge for, for everyone so can they contribute can they get close yeah do they need a, a great run i i think so um you same uh can they get to the final stages yeah like either team could be in the final easy i think I, I don't know what the limiting factor is but you even saw like nick and phil take the vikings 15-13 in china and it was a real close game Questions are: Can they side out for long enough periods of time? Probably looking at, at Nick for that, and probably looking at. Well, it depends who they who they want to test, but Jake and uh, yeah, Crab as well. It's gonna be in, it's gonna be interesting, but both both of those teams definitely can make final four, and anyone in that final four can win it.
1: Okay, and a few more teams that've been uh, around the FIVB circuit for a little while. So let's talk about um, Cantor Loziak. What are their chances?
0: I'd say low. Massive outsiders because of a broken foot on the build-up to a competition is not ideal in that team. So to come back from a broken foot, be out of rhythm, not trained or have preparation, I'd be seriously surprised by any team that hasn't had a build-up to it. Have they been found out in the way that they play? I think so at times. I think the best teams have found ways to serve them out of running this explosive, expansive game that they like to play. Um, and I just think that they haven't been at the forefront. They've been consistent. They're always there, but they haven't been winning tournaments. And I think that's also going to be key going, going through to these final stages and these final games.
1: Yeah, and we, we said um, height could potentially be a limiting factor for Herrera Guevara. But one team that definitely doesn't lack on height is Brown and Mewson. Um, what do you think their chances here considering their results earlier in the season? High. <laughs>
0: I think they it in twenty thirteen from nowhere, and I think Brown Mouson. I don't think they've had the season that they wanted. I, I don't think that they're playing as well as they they can. But can they beat every single team? Yes. Why? Because they they hit unbelievable angles, and they're a test for even the biggest blockers in the world. Uh, do they need to bring their? Do they need to get better than they have been all season? Yeah. But if they were to have a one off freaky tournament, they're a team that could easily go all the way to the final four or maybe go the whole way and win it. They're, they're being outsider at the moment because of their form but they're definitely a team that can can win it.
1: And I'm looking at the draw here. Um, a team that surprised a lot of people last time was Doppler-Horst. Um, thoughts on that one?
0: Outsiders. Experienced. I think this is Doppler's 10th world championship um, which is incredible achievement and I think it's Herrera's ninth uh, world championship, so they're two legends of the sport to be playing for this long, and still competing at the very, very top level. I just, I think they're going to be left a little bit behind this time. Again, form doesn't, they've not been making final fours, they've they've not been challenging those top few teams as of late, and I think that's going to be key going forward, As those teams in form coming forward are are going to be the ones at the top. And I think they're just a little bit a little bit behind, a little bit off pace at the moment. But who knows? What do I know? They could easily rock up and make a final f- make a final four as well.
1: Uh, the uh, one team that have got some great results this year, um, the Grimauld Cousins from Chile. Thoughts on them?
0: Yeah, they obviously won in Sydney. Uh, they won the four-star in Doha. They would be my real outsider. If you're a betting person, I think they're at like 67 to one to win it which is pretty good odds. What do I see from them? I see a team who are really good and they test every team they play against. So nobody has an easy game against the Grimmolds. Question is, can they constantly perform at that level? Because if you think about them coming through, they might have to play a uh, Jake Gibb on the way through. They might have to play a Dauhauser. They might have to play an Allison. They might have to play a Herrera Guevara. Can they play at their best? Time after time after time, I, I think we've seen that they can play really good games individually. But can they knock on back to back performances consistently playing that high level? You hope so. They might. They might surprise a few and make the final four. Who, who knows? Um, but they're definitely being <laughs> a massive outsider at sixty-seven to one. Hey,
1: I think the last team that we should talk about uh, on the men's side of the draw, um, a team that seems to have been. On the tour for ages, uh, hugely experienced. Samoilov Shmedins, what are their chances? I
0: love Samoilov Shmedins.
1: I just think they're
0: going to struggle again as the game gets bigger. They've also, I think, teams have found a way to play them over the years, and eventually they've become a little bit more limited in in their results. Uh, they're not as consistent in their results as they have been. They're an incredible team then they always have been an incredible team. The question is, can they um, can they side out consistently enough at the height and the level now to really cause problems for those top teams? And as much as they're great blockers, are they high enough in what they do to stop the big guys? That's why I would ask the questions. Of, are they big enough in their block defence play to, to stop the big ones?
1: Uh, great. Let's cross over to uh, the women's side. Um, if you had to pick one team that you think would win it, uh, who would that be?
0: Form book says Anna, Patricia and Rebecca. Um, you would also... Well, that's one team.
1: <laughs> okay, and give me a team that few people would expect but uh, could potentially steal a result. So the Dark Horse team.
0: Yeah, you'll hear this with Tim Simmons. I go for Australia. Uh, I go for Australia because I think they've been consistent. And I think they've actually, they're they're the one team that have got Anna Patricia and Rebecca's number. Um, They've managed to beat them when they've played them fairly comfortably. Anna Patricia doesn't like playing against Australia. Uh, But then on the other side, Kerry Walsh Jennings, Brooke Sweat had a great performance against the Australians. Then you look at Duda and Agatha. Like the depth again in the women's is, is really good. And that's before you look at April Ross and Alex Kleinman. That's before you. Look even further, like Laura Ludwig's in the draw as well, the Olympic champion, who's still rising and coming back from obviously having a year and a half out, uh, having a child. So, again, there's really good depth there. Who takes it? No idea.
1: Uh, let's talk about the Canadian pair-up of uh, Pavan and Melissa. Um, thoughts on them? Yeah, didn't
0: even, didn't even mention them, eh? Um, they're there to win, aren't they? Let's, let's be honest, like, they're a fantastic team. Um, but both Canadian teams, after setting the world alight last year and being at the top of the world rankings, haven't been on the podium as much as they would like to this year. So, have they proven that they're world class? Yeah, one hundred percent. They're world class, but they're like we're saying, like about the Americans this time, they're not the teams that are currently on the podium week in week out. That does that matter? No, because Pavin is. One of the best if not the best blocker in the world um, and that's usually good enough to take your take your team to the top but then in melissa they have an outstanding defensive player as well so pff, mate this sport is so open at the moment it, it could be one of in each gender it could be one of 10 teams that that take the gold and that's the beauty about the world championships it's no longer brazil versus the usa or a brazilian team will win it or an american team will win it it's so open because now there's 10 players at six foot five in the women's or six foot three where before there was one or two there was Kerry Walsh and she was the biggest and Misty was had the best ball control and the best vision and work behind her but now there's 10 teams working off the same philosophy and it's just so so deep it's crazy
1: um let's throw another team out there the Czech ladies um talk to me about them
0: yeah, it hasn't been the best season for them, has it? They've uh, they've fallen off the radar a little bit. I think finishing twenty fifth in Ostrava was a bit of a bit of a slap in the face for them. That was a competition where they wanted to back it up from last year and go and podium and go and take a gold, uh, and it hasn't happened. So their build up hasn't been good. Their camp isn't in the best shape, um, and I think that's going to cost them. I don't think they'll get past the fifth. But again, they I could be completely and utterly surprised. Like who, who knows?
1: Okay, um, let's talk about German pairings. So we mentioned Ludwig. Um, any more? So there's Udo there. Um, thoughts on them? Thoughts on the German chances of a podium here?
0: Funny, um, all this merry-go-round of, in my opinion, partners. I think it'll be great for Tokyo. I think by the time Tokyo comes around, German volleyball will be completely at the top of the uh, yeah top of the charts again, just like Brazil in the men's because they've had so many changes they're having to figure out each other they're having to figure out the new team their new philosophies they're having to spend time on things that take time and I think that's why you haven't quite seen them on the podium or sort of top five Um, and there was a competition was it China or was it Ostrava where all German teams took a 25th which is for a German for, for Germany that's that's absolutely crazy so is it too early for them? I think so. But by the time Tokyo comes round, with the knowledge they have, the coaching staff they have, will they be back at the top of the game? I think so. But will we see a German world champion at home? I'd be really surprised.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, American team. So you mentioned uh, Brooke Sweat and Kerry Walsh Jennings. Um, you know, there, there are other uh, women's uh, uh, American teams in, in the draw. Talk me through them.
0: Yeah, it's a bit of a mixed mixed bag, eh? Like, none of them, not one team really running away with it. Um, April Ross and Alex Kleinman have won a four-star this year. Uh, Kerry and, yeah, Kerry Walsh Jennings and Brooke Sweat have won a four-star this year. And then when you look at Hughes and Summer, they're another team that, that can be really, really pushed to the uh, edge. And then also Stockman and Larson made a final just last week as well. So... The depth of the Americans is great. Why is that? Because they have the NCAA and they're, they're pumping out young athletes for fun, playing competitive situations absolutely all the time. So that means the depth's good. Have they got it in them to win it? Absolutely. Any one of those American teams can, can turn up and, and win. Like, is, is Kleiman um, ready? Well, she's getting closer if they won in Brazil. If you would have asked me in The Hague she was a little bit off sorts and they were a little bit i think they 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 made top four but they they sort of she got picked on quite a lot in that hall that where the ball moved around a lot but really yeah any of them can and brooke sweat's playing great as well like and kerry is being kerry walsh jennings and being a trooper crazy i yeah the americans have got depth.
1: um last for you now um Let's talk about uh, the teams from the Netherlands, because we haven't uh, mentioned them yet. Um, some hugely experienced players in there. Um, do you think they've got what it takes to uh, get, get into the latter stage of the tournament?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think Meppelink and um, Kaiser are building rhythm. They're a, big, they're a big competition team. European Championships, both of them twice. They've won it, so they know what it takes to win a European Championships. Yes, this is a bit different because you welcome back Brazil, the USA, um, and Australia in into the mix, and it becomes a bit more difficult. Uh, Meppelink, one of the best blockers, yeah, like she's she's incredibly big and a great competitor. Uh, consistency potentially a problem for them, yeah, like in their side out rhythm, you'd think so, but actually they were great in the Czech Republic, and they should be really close to to taking like a top five, and then pushing. Seeing what draw you get, and seeing if it mixes up for them, and, and how close they get.
1: Okay, and last last one from me. Um, we talked about you know Brazil as being potentially the favourites um, with Anna Patricia and, and Rebecca, but um, you know have you got any other the 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 other Brazilian teams? Give me your your two pence worth on them. Yeah, Agatha Duda for sure. Duda, I think is pound for pound
0: probably the best player in the world at the moment. Like you, you think of the best players, Duda would be one of them. Um, I would also say that Taliqua Clancy is one of them as well. Uh, obviously, April Ross, Kerry Walsh Jennings, players like that. But Duda is, is incredible. Agatha's getting a lot of the ball. Um, and they seem to run the two-ball Brazil, but they only do it when it's desperate. And I, I would personally like to see them run the two-ball a little bit more when it's not so desperate. And I think that would make Agatha... Um, a little bit tougher to play side out. One thing that's good about Agatha is that she approaches on a different angle every single time. So sometimes she comes in straight, sometimes she comes in on an angle and it makes her quite difficult to play against. But I also think that she's someone who does give up some points and that's obviously why teams go after her instead of Duda. Um, Duda for me is just incredible in transition as well, playing. Yeah, she's, she's an incredible athlete who can uh, go on to achieve great things in the game and you'd think that long-term the youth team of Anna, Patricia and Duda will get back together at some stage because they're both twenty twenty two and playing great. But I think that Brazil are just waiting for another, another Olympic cycle to put them together. And that'd be a great team.
1: Okay, and um, going beyond uh, Hamburg, well, uh, you know, um, talk to me about what you're going to be doing over the next couple of weeks while you're there commentating. Um, what's the plans for free ball and what, what's the plans, what are you going to be doing?
0: Yeah, we're hoping that over the next um, two weeks, we're going to try and upload an interview a day. So I'm going to try in 10 minutes, 15 minutes, um, an interview with one of the world's best players and just getting some insight in the competition, how it's going, what they think is going on. So just watch out because hopefully we're going to have like a little half an hour show every day that might just be recorded off my phone, to be honest, or it might hopefully we'll be able to get the recording set up, working and, and get longer interviews, but obviously in competition time. You sort of have to be ready to, to sort of, yeah, work as quickly as possible and capture those interviews when you're around the players. So I'm going to be commentating four games a day, which is amazing. Uh, doing some highlight work as well in the evenings, and then hoping that we can get some of the world's best players for a quick interview. To upload it. You guys can get some insight into what's going on out there, and uh, yeah, hopefully enjoy it.
1: Um. And give me a hit list of people that you would absolutely love to talk to over the next couple of weeks uh, just to get, them, uh, get, get everyone excited for who you might be speaking to.
0: I'm hoping we can obviously get some of the best players in the world. So some of the people that we've already just mentioned. I'm also hoping that we can get some of their families as well. So for example, the Vikings uh, family will be there. So I'm hoping that we can get some stories and some insight of how they feel following the journey and, and taking a bit of a curveball instead of just looking at players or coaches just people who have really influenced people's journeys to get to that stage Hamburg looks incredible the sport's going into a great direction and obviously it's quite proud moments for parents and, and supporters alike so I'm hoping to get some really nice content with um, yeah some of the parents and coaching staff also I'm looking out for legends um, and seeing who we can maybe get into the yeah get into the sort of nostalgic point of view you know like there are always ex players there, like the likes of Nat Cook could be there, for example, or Kerry Potterst, or something like that. Dane Blanton's going to be there doing the commentary the other shift to myself. So, like, there's going to be some really nice stories and some really nice uh, interviews of people, yeah, who are now uh, doing other things within the sport, but have achieved great things in the sport as well, and who will be great to talk to. So, it should be exciting. Like, I'm hoping it's a great, great two weeks.
1: Okay, and last question. Um, give me. Uh, you know, give me what you think the feeling is like behind the scenes in Hamburg, will be like in, in Hamburg. You know, uh, for a lot of people, they'll never have gone to an event as big as this. Uh, they'll never have gone to a pro tournament. So um, try and give us a feel of what it's like behind the scenes when you get to these World Tour events.
0: It depends which one you go to. <laughs> um, yeah, China's a bit different to uh, the Czech Republic, and then the Czech Republic will be a bit different to the majors. I've actually never done a majors, so this is my... First Red Bull Major Series commentary, so I, I'm I'm absolutely pumped to be part of it because I was coaching in Vienna last year, um, and it was insane. the The branding that goes into it you can walk maybe for a hundred meters, and you're in between fences that are covered up in players like branding of players' photos, and it's really making a spectacle of, of the game for the people who go there. Also, the broadcasting element is incredible. The graphics, the Time, the camera angles that you get from the majors are far better than a normal four star. The, the amount of work, effort that goes into it. Um, the feeling from us, from what I feel, from the only person I've really spoken to is is my boss, and it's just a bit of excitement. Like we know we're going into the biggest event of the year, but we also know how incredible the sport is at the moment. Like it keeps going to a new level not only from professionalism but the way the game is being played the angles that are being hit the blocking and the techniques that are being used to hide out and the shapes that are being made in the block that you just where it used to be Dalhauser and Addison fighting these these are these big guys now it's Dalhauser, Allison, Gibb, um, Stoyanovsky um, Semenov is there, Nikolai is there. Like the amount of great blockers is growing, and in the women's game, it's exactly the same. So I think it's just the excitement of we know how amazing our sport is at the moment, and how it should be celebrated because it's uh, it's an exciting time to watch beach volleyball, and it's, just, it's for me it's an exciting time to to be around it, and to be around it at that level is quite a uh, quite a privilege to to be able to see it and be a be a small very small part of it.
1: Yep, that's me done. Uh, Thanks for having me on and uh, sharing some of your knowledge. Yeah, thanks for coming on, mate.
0: Um, Right, so we go now to Tim Simmons, uh, an interview with one of the most knowledgeable men in beach volleyball who, well, you'll hear his story of how he randomly got involved in beach volleyball and what a crazy journey it's taken him on all around the world over the last few years. So enjoy, Tim Simmons is not a player, he's not a coach, but he is a press officer and a very knowledgeable man about the sport we all know and love. Thank you very much, Sam, as well. Tim Simmons, welcome to Freeball, the volleyball podcast.
2: How are you? Doing very well. I'm sitting here in Colorado. We kind of got a gray, overcast day. And, uh, but looking forward to being in Hamburg next week for the 12th edition of the FIVB World Championships of Beach Volleyball.
0: Oh, look at the stat, the 12th, the 12th edition. Um
2: so just for
0: our listeners um I'm obviously working in beach volleyball and for everyone who's in beach volleyball they know who you are you're you're the stats man you're you are probably one of the most knowledgeable one of one of probably the most knowledgeable man or person about beach volleyball in the world would you would you say would you say that's not a bad well
2: I I would say maybe one of a handful because you never know the world's a very big place, and so there might be some place over in Europe or Africa or Asia or down in South America that don't just as much. But I'm very fortunate to have a good colleague in a guy by the name of Dennis Wagner out of Chesapeake, Virginia, who has created the beach volleyball database, which is BBVinfo.com where he compiles all this information and so uh, i have the good fortune of working with him that, that i can do it and i work almost every day on beach volleyball it's seven days a week uh, right now i'm working on the world championships for the under 21 going on in thailand and uh and obviously next week we'll be involved with the uh, event in hamburg amazing so you work
0: for beach volleyball database and you work for the fivb as well
2: well I'm more uh uh, a consultant for the FIVB, I kind of had the title of beach volleyball media coordinator. So what I do is try to track all the events. And this year, I think we have 47 men's events and 48 women's events. Some weekends we got three events going on or four sites depending on where we are in the world. So I'm a consultant for the FIVB. And then I assist Dennis Blake. Uh, I'm not a paid employee. But because his database is so uh, valuable uh, and Dennis has a full-time job uh, uh, working in Chesapeake at another uh, venue as an IT person, then I kind of do the daily work of updating things. Like today, we had a change with a German team, Alexander Walkenhorst from Germany had to withdraw because of a right wrist injury and replaced by Jonathan Erdmann. And so I had to update you know the database there to make sure we got new team profiles for Herdman and Winter and, uh, and then the matches there in A with teams from Brazil, obviously and Sorum from uh, Norway, the top seeded team and the favorites to win the gold medal and then the cuban team so had to update those uh, sketches so it's kind of a day in day out thing when they're in china i'm up at two in the morning uh, yeah, I fall you <laughs> and, uh over in europe it's only eight hours difference for me here in colorado and uh, if they're in hawaii it's even a boom <laughs> yeah it's,
0: it's yeah it's even closer so no wonder you're right. so knowledgeable because you you live and breathe it right Well, it's like anything else.
2: I've been doing this for 52 years. Um, I started out as a a freshman in college um, back in uh, 1965, doing stats and uh, so forth. So, you know, when you get involved with something, you just go full throttle with it. And so once I got involved with beach volleyball back in the 90s, we kind of created the first uh, uh, results uh, Computer program that could produce results for a 32-team bracket tournament. Then the FIBB saw what I was doing. They hired me in '99 um, to start following this stuff, and then Dennis Wagner came on. So, it, it, yeah, it's kind of like a full-time job, but it's a labor of love. Uh, I really don't work; it's just a labor of love. It's
0: yeah, that's a nice way of putting it. But it's it's an incredible database for anyone who hasn't been on it. You have everything from players birthdays to who's won the most gold medals what's happening now what's happening on this day like 30 years ago you get reminded of that could be the day that Karch Karai won something somewhere doing doing something like it's it's amazing so congratulations it's
2: something that uh, you know people it's not like in our our country with football basketball baseball where they have every stats known to man to cover it and, you know, um, was was the guy hit right-handed, left-handed in baseball? What does he do day or night? We're not as thorough as that just because it's just two of us. But there's still a need that people will say, well, who's won the most gold medals? Well, Emmanuel and Ricardo as a team and Emmanuel as an individual. You got to be able to answer those questions if you don't have it. Say, hey, wait a second. I'll be back to you in an hour and then update it. So there'll be a lot of questions coming out of uh, Germany. Obviously there'll be a big press thing. So what happens if a team from, uh, let's say Rwanda, wins a match? Well, when's the last time a African team won a match? So we've got to have that information. Dennis Wagner will be on site. We can produce it. So uh, again, our job is to help the media. The media has three things. You as a broadcaster, you want access to information, access to the competition, and access to the competitors. And if I can do all three of those, I'm very successful in my job.
0: Yeah, you, you're very successful at your job. You, um, Yeah, you make me sound really knowledgeable. <laughs> so, so thank you very much. Well,
2: <laughs> the key is, uh, I've always said, because I've worked with enough broadcasters doing American uh, um, football and basketball, especially on the collegiate level, that I produce the idiot cards for the talent, so they
0: look good right yeah, yeah you 100 percent do when you turn around and if this is definitely not a true stat i can't ring it but if you were to say um outruns april ross this is her yeah 300th uh, fivb world tour event she's won 65 medals and she's made 85 final fours that's not because the broadcasters sat there and figured it out it's because of all the hard work that you've done so yeah, it's um, as much as I do quite a lot of my own research and I get to know the people and this podcast is definitely helping. Um, all those stats are, are all you. So thank you very much. I actually didn't have a chance to personally thank you for everything you do and how you help all of our broadcasters as well. Not our broadcasters. You well, we broadcasters.
2: appreciate that. The, the one key, as I've always told people, is a broadcaster is sitting there and it depends if he has a, a color analyst. You've got to describe the action. The color analyst has got to make a comment on the action, but since you're in the booth by yourself, mm. you got to not only describe it, but you've got to commentate on why they did certain things. But for you to supply, well, here's April Ross, winner of 24 FIBB World Tours medal. Here's April Ross, who just won her 700th career match. You want to put a little relish around those players and their accomplishment. April Ross as a player is fine, but who is April Ross? Yeah. What has she done at the sport? Yeah. And and that's where I come in to help you supply some relish to the commentary.
0: Yeah, our um our job's to tell a story, isn't it? That's what I try and do is to tell the story. And and you yeah. and and what you do really helps provide the yeah, provide the background to that story and the backdrop as well, which which is always yeah, which is which is great. And the more that I'm I'm doing more now. So the more that I'm actually on the database, actually, if I'm doing three or four events in a row, I'm actually on the database a lot more than I would be normally because I'm starting to dig and get more and more into it, which is which is great.
2: Well, that's your job, because uh, uh, not only are you a storyteller uh, with it, but you've got to be able to to help navigate newcomers to the sport. So they understand the importance of the match and so forth. So uh, a person like you've got a lot of things, and and I'm just kind of like a, a helping hand. I'm not the key person. You're the key person. No, All you definitely I is as an assistant <laughs> supplying <laughs> something. You definitely are. What was the
0: uh? How did how did you get started in beach volleyball? Was did you choose beach volleyball, or did that choose you, or?
2: Well, I was working at the Coors Brewing Company as an event marketer. That sounds like you already had the dream job. You're working in beer. <laughs> I was working in beer, and uh, and I had done it. And uh, so uh, a guy came to us and said, Hey, we got to have a little bit more impact on the beaches of Southern California, on the the bars and, uh, and so forth. And they said, Hey, one of the ways is beach volleyball. It's huge out here in Southern California. So the Coors Brewing Company got involved with the Women's Professional Volleyball Association, which at that time featured Jackie Silva, who was a 1997 world champion Olympian. She was playing on the American tour and Carolyn Kirby, Liz Masakian Holly McPeak. So, you know, they had a symbol of players. And so I went out to the event and I noticed of all the things they had, they had no one supplying information. And I was an information guy with my past years of working in college athletics. I worked for the Denver Nuggets for a couple of years during the first two years in the NBA. And so I said, there's something missing here. And guys like Chris Marlowe, Paul Sunderland, who are the top, you know, volleyball announcers in the United States, they they wanted this information. So <clears throat> we created a database uh, at Coors with Coors's help uh, to fund it. And... Then Coors started changing things, and and uh, my position wasn't going to be eliminated, but I was going to have to move to another place. And I said, no, nah, it's time for me to go out on my own. And so the lady that was running the WPVA said, hey, how would you like to be our information guy? So I got involved, and by doing that, then I got involved in 1992 when the uh, women's uh, started playing on the FIVB. and. People started taking note. I was calling all over the world, and I started going to events in Australia and Mexico. And uh, uh, the FIBB said, "Hey, we need someone like you, because if you go to the FIBB website, it's not like Dennis's. They list the players and all their events, but there's no um, what should I say uh, a combination of how many medals they won in a season and with what partner. And so that's how we created. And so I just found a niche. And it's like anything else, Louis, in the world, you want to find your niche so you can get involved and bring something to the party. And because of my background in college athletics, professional athletics, I was able to take something that was missing from volleyball, beach volleyball at that time, and do it. So um, it's made a good living. I haven't really had a real job since 1992 when I left (laughs) Coors, and just been following volleyball. I work for ESPN here in the States, doing some media operations at basketball tournaments in South Carolina now, and The Wooden Legacy out in Southern California. I work on college football awards and so forth, so uh, I made a nice living. I'm probably making more money now than I ever made when I was working at Coors, and I was paid handsomely. That's amazing. Good, good work from you. How many countries have you has, has
0: the sport taken you to? Because you you've been on I've been
2: in. Uh, if someone had asked me in '99, how many countries did you really want? To, you I just see? like going to Hawaii. That was to me was a nice trip. But I, my wife and I have been to probably fifty over fifty uh, countries and territories. Uh, probably been to almost every country in Europe. Uh, I think I'm missing the Ukraine and uh, a few of those places, but uh, <laughs> I've been in most of the countries in uh, in Europe. Uh, I've been on all five continents, done South Africa, uh, event down there in Cape Town when we had it. Uh, uh, obviously been to Brazil doing events and, uh, and did a lot of world championships. I've worked five of the six Olympics. Um, I didn't work London, which I heard was maybe the best people tell me, but it was very good. So, uh, you know, I've been around, so I've probably seen more volleyball as an information guy than anybody in the world. I, I don't, yeah, I, I don't doubt it.
0: I think the first time I, I don't want to say the first time I probably met you, it might have been in Long Beach back in 2015, I think. And I was just mesmerized be- with, with how, uh, yeah, professional you were and how knowledgeable you were. And what was I like 25, 26 at the time? Very raw to the commentary scene and maybe the coaching scene as well. But, uh, yeah, just taken back with your knowledge and passion for the for the sport. It's, it's amazing. You mentioned your wife. Your wife travels with you a lot. Do you, you work together?
2: Yeah, you know, um, I always kind of feel uh, it's a team effort. Um, kind of came from my parents because uh, my dad coached basketball and was an athletic director. And he always told me, he said, one of the keys is making sure your family's involved. Because there's a lot of times when you're out, and about and the family's over here in a separate unit and you become separated. So they have to become kind of a force. Then I went to the University of Iowa to get my master's degree and the SID there, George Wine's wife was very involved in running the press box with him. And so when I started doing college athletics, the guys uh, said, well, you're bringing your wife in. I said, hey, she's part of the team. And of course, you know, at that time, women weren't allowed. And I always said, hey, she's part of it or it's not a deal. And so she's been with me, we've been married since uh, 1974, 45 years now, and uh, she's worked almost every event with me, hasn't been to every event, but has worked every kind of event (laughs) is very instrumental. And, and she works at the event. She's just not there to watch the action. She's working with photographers. If you come up and say, Tim's not around, but can you get this profile or something? She'll know where to go. So it's a team effort and and marriage is a team effort. Uh, You know, uh, my dad always said that uh, when you get married, uh, uh, she's gotta be, she's like a team and she's the manager i'm just kind of the flunky
0: that's that's unbelievable and lynn's obviously come to hamburg with you as well
2: yeah she'll be there and then we go to switzerland edmonton and she comes home because of some family obligations and then i'll go on to tokyo for the test event for the olympics vienna for the uh uh beach major series in vienna home for a couple weeks and in rome you know we have the world tour finals and then home for a week, and then I go to um, uh, China for the qualifier there. Then I have a little bit of October off, and in November I'll work in uh, college basketball at Myrtle Beach and uh, Anaheim. Then off, and then I'll go to Hawaii for some R&R around Christmas time. Wow. Yeah, the R&R's um, crucial
0: to get in it sounds like but we're
2: still going to do watch a football game and a basketball tournament yeah, over in to hawaii of course ESPN. then i come home for that and then uh, i'll be in new orleans for the college football playoffs for uh, awarding i handle what they call the armed forces merit award where we honor a, an athlete that was in the military here in the states that ends up playing college football
0: that's that's a really interesting so you
2: my year's busy
0: yeah just just i, I thought my year was busy and then I look at your year, and it's it's nowhere near as busy as yours. I'm busy until September, October, and then I'm then I go then I go quiet. That's that's fascinating. Um, do you what? Sorry, did, did anything that's a stumble? My the editor or or it out. So every time I I lose my way, I've got a good editor. Right. Um, talking volleyball, what would you say? Where would you say the sport is now compared to when you first started? What's growing, what's better, and what's potentially worse?
2: Well, uh, to me, the the biggest thing that volleyball has, uh, as you know, you're in Europe. And in Europe, soccer's everything. And you have all these other sports. Everything's built around soccer. And so that in the States, we have... NFL football, college football. You have NBA basketball, college basketball. Then you got hockey. You got all these things. So here's poor volleyball trying to get, gain some traction, just like it is in Europe, uh, down in Brazil. You know, soccer's everything. Beach volleyball is the number one sport, but soccer's religion down there. Mm-hmm. Asia, you know, uh, they have a lot of things, but again, it's trying to gain traction, and unfortunately for me. This is my opinion. We're a four year wonder every four years. People wonder about beach volleyball because it's part of the Olympics. The Olympics has been probably the biggest asset for beach volleyball and its growth. And, um, uh, you know, before the Olympics, if you ask people in the States who was the greatest beach volleyball player ever, they probably say Gabriella Reese. Yeah. Why? She was a ball bo- model. Yep. Karch Bry is probably the greatest player because he won the indoor gold medal and the beach medal, gold medal. But most of the average person would say Gabriella Reese. Why? Because she's a model.
0: Because she's had the exposure.
2: So today, because of Kerry Walsh and Misty May's accomplishments, <laughs> yeah, volleyball has taken uh, a little better esteem here. NBC has done a wonderful job and promoting it at the Olympics and uh, so forth. But still, it's still not top of mind. Uh, I'm a baseball fan. I like watching our Colorado Rockies. I -hmm. like the Denver Broncos (laughs) because I'm here. The Denver Nuggets had good success. But, you know, I don't follow as much as beach volleyball, but if you're here in Denver, the only thing people talk about is the Denver Broncos. You know, if you go to LA, It's the Lakers and the Dodgers, okay? So, beach volleyball is huge out in Southern California, but unfortunately, in the pecking order of things, it's the Dodgers and the Lakers. The Rams went to the Super Bowl. They're still trying to gain traction out there. And so, who knows? And, uh, you know, it's tough. uh, Unfortunately, for volleyball enthusiasts, they much rather pay to play than pay to watch.
0: I I agree.
2: And tell people start paying to watch but who in their right mind is going to sit out in the sun for 10 hours a day watching that it's very tough so you as a broadcaster do more good for the sport because you're a person can sit down for 45 minutes and watch your broadcast yeah and get all the benefits and pay it and and i think they're streaming it for free aren't they
0: yep they are streaming it for free yeah off off the youtube i mean i
2: watch you guys on youtube and it's great yeah. And it's good coverage. I mean, obviously, the four and five stars have announcers, mm-hmm. so you get a little more description. But when you're doing the one, two, and three, you're just seeing action. But it's good.
0: Yeah, it is it's it's very the, good.
2: Do you, do you say it's got it's better?
0: Do you, do you say it's got better over the years? The quality, like the majors, the coming in, Amazon Prime for the AVP. Um, surely it's going somewhere compared to where it was 15 years ago? Or...
2: It's going good. You see more and more. But, uh, you know, it's just a, a sphere of influence. you got to have that. And, unfortunately, uh, they can't break into the bigger sphere. And that's why every four years, because of what NBC does here in the States, I can't address what other countries do with Olympic coverage. But NBC, they'll have uh, a researcher in Hamburg getting ready to go. They have two guys sitting in New York that will be following your action and they want all the notes so they can kind of see what's going on. Okay? and But again, it comes down to um, has it grown? Yes. Is it better than what it was? Yes. Has everything improved? Yes. But again, it's still knocking on the door.
0: Yeah. Because beach volleyball has improved but then soccer, like American football, basketball has gone up another 10 notches where volleyball's gone up maybe five. So actually maybe...
2: Did you realize that England won their first ever medal on the FIVB yeah, last week? the
0: two girls. Yeah. Two girls? And, and they were what,
2: 17 and 20 young yeah. ladies? Congratulations yeah.
0: to yeah. them. Yeah, congratulations but... to them. It was a phenomenal achievement to... Uh, yeah, for Ellie and Anaya to, to do that is, is was good. Very good. Let's see. I would
2: tell you that from what I hear, the beach volleyball competition in London in 2012 was the best ever. it was tremendous but where is the carryover in england our people have a beach tournaments all the time have we gone back to horse uh, horse parade grounds you know wherever it was that that, to me is how do you take that and you're able to build something over a centennial time and that's the problem that the sport is the avp's done a good job here i think the german tour swiss tours they do a pretty good job but how do we carry it over in places like London where we need to have more of a presence
0: well actually um, Jake Jake Sheaf started the UKBT over here Um, and it's it's going really well he started it from scratch away from the federation I think they're now working together again Um, but he's doing a great job with the sort of branding and trying to create something Wilson are now involved um, and trying to step by step build something so there's a lot of tournaments like there's there's lots happening every weekend over here now for people to play in. It's just whether we can make that into something that's a performance-based tour um, that then it will always aid the standard. It's whether we can then progress and bounce on into the world level um, more regularly as as such. But yeah, it's, it's getting there. Whether we get back to horse guards, I very much doubt it. But long term, it's, it's taken something individual and independent start up to really kick kickstart the sport again. But yeah.
2: Well, what you need is to have Prince Harry get involved. If he's playing beach volleyball, mm-hmm. let me tell you, it takes off. And that's the important thing that the sport needs star power. We have it here in the States with the Kerry Walshes of the world and Phil Dollhauser mm-hmm. and so forth. But on the level of things, they're not up there with uh, LeBron James. If we have that, uh, everybody wants to put a lot of faith into uh, Chase Budinger, a former NBA player now, yeah. who's playing with Casey, uh, I think he's playing with Casey, no, yeah. Sean Rosenthal.
0: Uh, he's playing and, with Casey, Casey Patson, isn't he?
2: Yeah. And so you kind of hope that you can kind of get that. I remember one time Gabriella Reese was going to play down in Mexico and the powers of be said, oh, we got a promoter, we got a promoter. And I said, Okay, that's fine. Everybody was disappointed because people would come out to the event and they said, Where's Gabriella? Well, she got eliminated yesterday. Oh. They gotta be able to play. Not only are you a star, but you gotta be able to play and and play competitively. Um, I remember Gabriella playing with Holly McPeak at the ninety nine World Championships in Marseille. They finished seventeenth and, and I went to Holly and I says, Is she ever going to be able to play? Holly probably would deny that. She says, Tim, she doesn't understand the transition game. She's always been a big blocker. She's great in the three person or four person game, but she can't play the two person because the transition. <laughs> and that's the hardest thing. And, uh, you know, if you watch uh, uh, how the players take, it takes a player, except for the Misties and, and Carries of the world, it takes them three to four years get their legs to understand the sport indoor is such a fast game bam bam boom and the beach you know the ball is set high got to get that player they wipe their hands and then they go to hit and everything Mm -hmm. so it's just a different game some college coaches love it uh from the standpoint that uh, uh it helps the girls learn the whole game It's kind of like a point guard. A point guard probably in basketball should learn how to play center and forward so he understands what these guys have to go through, just like the center and forward should learn how to be a point guard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And learn the the whole game. And and that's what you have to do. Uh, One thing that's helped in beach volleyball in our country is the NCAA here uh, creating beach volleyball championships. I was down in Gulf Shorts, Alabama at the 1st of May. And I've been to a lot of beach events, probably close to 200. And (laughs) that ranks in my top 10. They did a wonderful job. ESPN had coverage on all five courts. They had two big video screens. Uh, It was wonderful. Didn't have big stands. It wasn't, you know, uh, like a beach major series event that is like a five-star hotel. It was a wonderful event. And they have done a wonderful job in creating that. But because of Title IX, it's only women. They don't have men. And so the US has got a good feeder system into it. I mean, if you look at the world championships here, you got Tina from Lafayette, played at USC. She was probably the number one player in the country. You got the McNamara twins who are from Canada. They played at UCLA. They won the championship and on that UCLA team, was Sarah Spaso, who's playing with Kelly Clays, and Kelly Clays and Sarah Hughes, who's now playing with Summer Ross, who won the world uh, the NCAA championships for, uh, uh, who should I say, for USC, Southern California. So the Americans have got a good system to develop. Where the Europeans have done a good job is by developing youth. And they have great uh, uh, CEV through their Youth World Championships, 17, 19, 21, whatever. And if you look at it, Europe has really come on. This sport used to be more about the Americans and Brazilians. But if you look lately, it's the Brazilians. I mean, it's the Europeans. Right now, we did a poll of the coaches. The top three teams to win medals will be Europeans for the men. That's never heard of. It's usually been Brazil and who else? Mm-hmm. But you got Bolin from uh, um, from uh, Norway. You got the Russian team of Oli and uh, uh, I call him the K Man. And mm-hmm. then you have the Polish guys Brill uh, and uh, Hajelic. Yeah. And they're right now considered the top three teams in the world. Yeah. The women, you still got uh, Agatha and Duda, and then the uh, the new team Rebecca and uh, Anna Patricia are one two. And uh, where did I put my list here? And the uh, thirteen will be Bansley and uh, Wilkerson from Canada. Again, and, it's, uh, it's crazy, those right? The coach's favorites the medal. Yeah,
0: that that's crazy. I but then Australia are going really well on top in the women's and then in the men's as well. You've still got Evandro and Bruno. Like they're unbelievable. Well,
2: I think uh, Evandro, the Brazilians, you know, had a big change during the season last year. Then they had another change. Before the start of the season, um, first time ever in Ipanema uh, that a Brazilian team didn't medal or place on the Final Four. Uh, that was in May, but they're coming on right now. So Brazil would be a definite factor in the women's. And I look for Evandro and uh, uh, Bruno to be right there, along with Allison and... Um, um, Alison and Navarro. It, now, they'll be good. You can't, you know, Allison, as someone told me, is finally getting in shape.
0: Yeah, he's, he's coming back, coming back strong. What's the, um, I wonder when the last time, this is one that we need to figure out by Hamburg, the last time that Brazil didn't win a medal in the men's and the women's in a world championship because they've always been around it and always been sort of uh, winning or on the top three. It'd be crazy well, if that happened.
2: I, I think you know almost every year. I'm kind of looking at it right now. Um, Brazil men, the only year they didn't do anything a uh, medal was 2007. Dollhauser and Rogers beat uh, a Russian team, and then the Australians sh- uh, sh- uh, shot and Slack finished third by beating Emmanuel and Ricardo. So that was the only time that happened. And then in the women's, I'm doing a quick uh, review here. I think Brazil. Uh, and it looks like they have been on the podium in every uh, in every tournament um, just doing a quick eyeball. So Brazil's always been a factor um, with that. So, uh, uh, you know, I think there was only one year that the Brazilian men won edition, That was 2007 in Switzerland.
0: Wow. So you're saying the only time that Brazil haven't been on the podium is in, in the World Championships, is in 2007. Always, in the
2: from what I'm looking at right now, I'm just doing a quick research. I think a brazilian men's or women's team has always been on the podium except for 2007 men
0: wow that's, that's unbelievable and who's won the most world championships
2: uh overall if you look at the total medals <coughs> for thing brazil has won 31 medals in the previous 11 okay that's men and women that's 12 gold medals uh nine silvers and ten bronze us is second and at 15 total medals and then you have germany uh, uh with six and then china three and then a bunch of two so brazil has pretty well dominated uh, uh the world championship scene both both for the world tour and both for uh, yeah. uh at the world championships yeah.
0: not always at the olympics but always in the world tour and always at the world championships
2: i i didn't hear you what was
0: that and not always um not always at the Olympics, but always on the world tour and the World Championships. Brazil have always been, been the force to be reckoned with. That's that's incredible. Yeah. Um, that's a that's a really strange, not strange at all. It's not surprising, but the only time Brazil haven't been on the podium at a World Championships, men and women, was two thousand and seven in the men's. Man, yeah,
2: yeah. and that, uh, you know, I say that was a funny here because Russia made a big breakthrough that year mm. and so forth. But uh, the following year, uh, Emmanuel and them got the revenge over the Russians in the quarter. Russians had them beat China. Emmanuel and Ricardo weren't going to make it to the semifinals. And they came back and beat them. And, uh, uh, you know, it could have been one of the big upsets. Uh, but, mm. you know, for Brazilian, it, it is a big thing for them. This, this is, uh, you know, as I say, soccer is a religion in that country. Volleyball is the number one sport. Yeah. So for Brazil, it's, it's a huge thing. And, uh, you know, what, what the beauty of sport is when people make breakthroughs. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the great upsets, I always figured, was uh, <clears throat> in 2009, Kerry and uh, Misty had that great one, winning three straight world championships. And then Kerry took a season off having a baby. And here comes Juliana and Larissa, their favorite to win in Norway. And April Ross and Jim Kessie upset them in the finals. And that was one of the most unbelievable things. And then 2011, Kerry and Misty are up 13-10 to 10 in the third set over Juliana Larissa. Lose it in the gold medal match 15-13. Unbelievable that, you know, the U.S. won one year when it was unexpected. <clears throat> Here's Kerry and Misty back in top form. And Juliana Larissa pull off the upset. Obviously, the next year at the Olympics, you would think Kerry and uh, Misty beat the Chinese team like 22 20, 22 20 to reach the finals. Kessie and them then upset Juliana and Larissa yep. in the semifinals yep, to, to make, get there. To I think they, they met like, like 19 times, and the Brazilians have beaten Kessie Ross 15 times. But in big time moments, Kessie and Ross took it to that next level. That's unbelievable.
0: How do you rate April Ross's chances to make a Final Four at the World Championships this year?
2: Uh, I would think it's like everything else. What are the conditions? you got to remember, Kleinman is still very young and inexperienced. She's only been on the beach maybe three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the Brazilians are kind of like beach rats. See? They grow up in the sport. They get it. Kleinman has come through the indoor, so she's fairly new. So how is she going to handle it and doing it? I think they have a good chance Um, in the poll. uh, I think uh, uh, they got a vote to win a gold medal uh, out of the things. But in the poll that uh, uh, I think uh, Agatha and Duda got six votes to win it. Uh, uh, Rebecca and Anna uh, Patricia got five. Um, Bansley Wilkerson got four. The Czech team got uh, three. Um, The other Canadian team, uh, Humana and um, Pavin, got two, and then April and them. So I think it all comes down to Kleinman being able to play at a high level. She's tall, but can she Mm -hmm. play at that high? April Ross is a gamer. And, you know, she's won a world championship. Unexpectedly Mm -hmm. got to the podium in uh, Vienna. And let me tell you, Lauren Fendrick had never meddled. Yep. And she was able to take her there. But uh, the stars aligned and everything. And you got to remember, they beat the Germans in the first set. They're up 1-0 in the gold medal match.
0: Yeah, yeah, they, they beat, beat Laura and uh, Kira first
2: set, huh? It, Kira just took it to, uh, you know, put it in gear. And uh, what a great team they were. And uh, disappointing that they're not playing. But Kira um, had a lot of physical issues breaking down. And uh, it's a tough yeah. sport. People think, oh, you're just out in the sand. It's it's a physically a tough one. Yeah, you're out there for 45 minutes, but it's a demanding sport.
0: Yeah, especially if you're playing 2 to 3 games a day. It's also demanding sport mentally if you're away for 6 to 8 to 12 months a year. Like it's it's tough sport. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough thing to be involved in. It's a tough thing to for everyone to work in. That's incredible. Who's um how about in the men's side? That that's a great story of uh, of the guys. Let's because you're uh, because you're American, let's look at the Americans first. Cool. Um, so-
2: they're too old. Uh, I think Dalhouser, <laughs> were you in Warsaw?
0: I didn't do Warsaw, no. I did, the, Estrada was the last one.
2: Yeah, I think uh, Dalhouser broke down. He's got an abdominal string. So a lot depends. He's not playing this week on the domestic event. So um, I think, you know, it all comes down to, one, are Phil and Nick motivated? Two, how is Phil physically? And three can uh, Nick side out? Nick had a problem signing out on the EVP. Guys were blocking him. And uh, uh encouraging sign is they took uh, Mull and uh, uh, Sorum to three sets I think in uh, in Czech, didn't they? Um, I
0: think it was. In, it wasn't in Czech. One of the, it or, was in I was there. It was in Xinjiang. I watched it. It was a quarterfinal. Yeah. It was It 15-13 was yeah, yeah. in the last. It was, it was a good game.
2: Yeah. And so that um, I just think the Americans are just too old and the men's side uh, where the women they got enough in the pipeline that they can replenish but uh, uh, you know a lot depends i I mean it's all luck it just how do you go do you get the right call Uh, i remember i won't tell you which team but i remember a team came back uh, you got to remember they're going to have the challenge system available if a team would have challenged the last point they could have won the match or at least continued the match, but they didn't challenge it. So the team A won, or team B, if they had challenged it, could have extended the match. So, you know, that's another factor is, and, and that team that didn't challenge hadn't been in the challenge system, so they didn't understand it. I no so, again, there's a lot of factors. What's the weather like? Uh, uh, who gets up ready to play? Uh, uh, you know, I think Right now, if someone asks me, I think a Brazilian team will get at least one or two medals in the women, <clears throat> and the Brazilian team will get at least one medal in the men. And outside of that, can Mullen Sorum continue this great run? I mean, you know, they got a 23-man winning streak snapped by Evandro and Bruno. So, you know, what kind of psychic will that play? Uh, uh, in the final... Uh, Olympic qualifying event in 2016. Ludwig and Walkenhorst had never beaten April or Kerry But in the semi finals in Hamburg, in the FIV World Tour event, uh, Laura and Kara won. They broke the streak. And then they went up. They went up from there. That just that helped them so much. So do you think you're going to see that. Do you think and that's, that's what the beauty? This event, any event, is the surprises.
0: Do you think that's the same with the men now? Do you think uh, Bruno and Evandro, that was the win that they needed to really believe in the team to now go out? Obviously, Evandro and Bruno have both won World Championships as well. So when you think about pressure, they've already been there. They've done it. They've played in big games. And I'm not saying that Mole and Sorum, I think they're the best team in the world, Mole and Sorum. I honestly think they are by the way they're playing is incredible. But it'll be a different test for them at a World Championships because that's sort of where history's made a little bit, and and it'll be interesting to see how they are in those situations under that pressure.
2: I think I think Evandro and them uh, uh, probably are the chief ones. I uh, Bruno is a tough competitor. Um, you know, has great family line. Uh, you know, his uncle was. Uh, um, Uh, Oscar Smith, the all-time leading Olympic scorer in basketball, Um, just knowing what a competitor Bruno is. uh, This guy fights you day in, day out. Evandro is one of the great servers. I mean, when he's got that serve going, he's unstoppable. There's Mm -hmm. only been one other server better than him, and that was Igor Kalinsky. And Todd Rogers says you never want to get hit in the chest by Igor's serve because it's going to go right through you. Yeah. And Evandro is probably not as fast a server, but man, when he's got that thing going, it's interesting. And so they had a great run at uh, in Vienna and surprised the world. And, uh, you know, here's Allison and Bruno. They finished like ninth or something and <clears throat> had troubles and, and that. But I think Evandro and Bruno, just because they won the last event, are the team that kind of get Mo on, Sorum the best one. Uh, I expect that the uh, the Polish team will be right there. Uh, I like to see Allison Navarro. If Allison's on, he can be very tough yeah. and go with there. And I don't think you can forget the Dutch guys. You, you know, they Bram- Bram- the Bram- world in, Yeah, they surprised the world in 2013 mm-hmm. and did that. And of course. The German team, Athol and uh, Wickler, could be a surprise team. They finished very well last year at the in mm-hmm. Hamburg. Um, they've come through. Um, I mean, they were beating Adolhauser and Lucinia Hanley uh, mm-hmm. before Phil got hurt uh, there in Warsaw. Uh, they could be a factor. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of them. And the Italians, Paulo, Nicolai, Lupo, oh. they could be very solid. What? And the Spanish team, you know, has played a lot. Uh, you know, experience counts for something. Well,
0: I'm going to give I'm going to give you a stat because of this podcast, and I can't I can't tell you I can't teach you much about beach volleyball because you know bloody everything, but um, this is Herrera's ninth World Championships. That's that's some effort, isn't it? Yeah. Um,
2: so... Well, you know, Emmanuel and Natalie Cook always had the thing, and they were at all the Olympics and that. But Herrera, I remember when he came onto the scene. And he's playing with Javier Bosma. And they took that silver medal at the Olympics. Came from nowhere to somewhere. And, and that just propelled him. But, you know, here's a guy that came through the youth system in Spain, got into the thing. He and Rio Mesa won a world championship, a youth thing. So uh, <clears throat> he's developed from ground up. A great blocker. That team's very served. And, uh, you know, anytime you play them, I mean, they, they haven't been as consistent as they like. But, man, big-time players make big-time plays and big-time games. Well, you say consistent. They haven't
0: consistently been in the top four, but I think it was – I can't remember the stat. It's going to be a rough stat, so please, uh, whoever's listening, don't quote me on this one. But I think it was out of the last 45 events, they've only been outside of the top ten five times. So, like, they're they're constantly around the top ten. They just can't turn those top tens into medals.
2: Well, they're always right there. The one thing that the American players always say the toughest part, the Europeans have it pretty easy because they don't have the travel. Mm-hmm. And they can get home real quick, spend a few nights at home, come back. Once the Americans or the Aussies or Asians come over, especially the Australians because they have to travel so far, it's tough because now you're away from home. Europeans, I mean, because of it, Tour is really based around European events every year yep. and everything, and especially for the big events. Uh, they have the advantage because they're at home. Yep. And they, they're they into the system where the other teams have to travel far and uh, so forth. And, uh, uh, you know, Karch Karai told me, he says, you know, sentient loved traveling. I don't like to travel so much. And that's why Karch never played in a lot of FIVB events, because he didn't want to travel. But, again, he was a big-time player yeah. to make big-time plays and big-time games. <laughs> yeah, and
0: now look at him. He's coaching VNL, and he's travelling every week. <laughs> yeah, He's travelling more. <laughs> but traveling. I guess
2: it's easier on your body when you're a coach, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I think so, for sure.
2: Who would and you... his kids are growing. you got to remember, a lot of these folks have families, and it's tough to leave home and that and uh, John Hyden even told me that one time he he says you know the toughest thing about traveling is your way from mama and the kids
0: yeah and he's he's been playing a long long time John Hyden fantastic player I, yeah that's
2: that. so i'm 45 46 now and still playing mean, i mean obviously he's not in the world championships but uh, he's still playing very much on the domestic tour had a medal oldest player ever to win a medal um, on the FIBB World Tour, and that was earlier this year, I think, in uh, Malaysia. Yeah, that's interesting. Talking of like uh, oldest
0: player to win a medal, Kerry Walsh Jennings the other week became the oldest player to win a medal. Is that correct? Have I got that right? For women, yeah. For the women's, yeah.
2: How do you see? Heiden just got the oldest for the men back in Germany, I think, in two thousand fourteen. Sorry, who was that? Uh, John Heiden.
0: Yeah, John Heiden.
2: They uh, won in Germany, I think, in two thousand fourteen. Yeah, that's... That was immense. man. So, but, uh, yeah, Kerry did it. Uh, remarkable. I don't think any players has won a medal in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, some people think Kerry's Kerry. And, uh, again, big-time players making big-time plays and big-time games. And, of course, Brooke Sweat's playing pretty good right now. And that's a team that every time they swing, you got to wonder if those shoulders are going to hold mm. up. Uh, because both of them had uh, shoulder injuries. And, uh, you know, you got to look at injuries, too, as a factor. Uh, back in 2008, uh, Juliana goes down in uh, Paris with a knee injury. They were the best team in the world. They were better than Misty and Carrie at that time. Uh, but uh, Juliana couldn't compete in the Olympics. So, you know, it kind of helped Carrie and Misty. And so injuries are a factor. Uh, look at Kanner from, uh, I don't know, Losek from Poland. Yeah, He's been out with a foot injury and uh and they, you know they're a good solid team and uh um, i know dollhouse and lucenia said that, hey, they beat them one time and said we can't stop their offense they're just too quick for us mm. and, uh, uh, but they haven't really played very consistently they're kind of like the spaniards mm. where they're always right there but they're just not a consistent final four finisher
0: i also think i obviously don't they know that the coaches would be able to uh yeah, let you know more. But I think since they've started playing, people have found out how to stop their, like counteract their quickness and their creativity by serving different lines down down the court. And it it takes it crams the play up serving straight down the line. And all of a sudden, because they pass straight, making them pass straight, they can't run the offense eight meters and they can't run the blocker as much. They have to cram into the side of the court. And that's something I've seen the best teams of the best blockers are finding a way just to stop that, Two balls, stop it running around. And I think that, personally, from what I've seen, which is not, by all means, everything but quite a lot, uh, that's how they've they've managed to be stopped. Who? How do you think Kerry's... What What are Kerry's chances here?
2: Well, I think she has a chance. Uh, would I put money on him to medal? Probably not. I think uh, Rebecca, Anna, Patricia, Agatha, Duda are the teams to beat. Um, The Canadians will be there. Um, uh, I just think is, can Brooke Sweat side out? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, uh, they're going to go after her. And how does Carrie hold up physically? I hear she's in great shape uh, watching some of the matches uh, on YouTube. Um, Carrie's Carrie, and she's playing there. Uh, But, you know, the thing is that what propelled Carrie to the World Championships and Olympic medals, she had a great player in Misty May. Misty May, was uh, a phenomenal player, could side out, make great defensive plays, and, uh, you know, just, it was right there. And so, can Brooke Sweat do that? Uh, Brooke Sweat and Lauren Fenrick played in the Olympics, and the worst finish ever by a women's team, 19th. Just didn't do well. But Brooke is revitalized right now. She's playing with Kerry. She's probably got a great deal of confidence in Kerry. And so that's gonna be the key right there. And again, you know, health. I mean, you know, these are not spring chickens out there. Carrie's 40, what's Brooke 35, something Mm -hmm. like that. Don't have it in front of me, but uh, they're a little bit older. And uh, if you look at uh, 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 the Brazilians, I mean, Anna Patricia and Duda, they're 20 years old. Mm -hmm. They're young chickens and all that stuff. And uh, Rebecca's 26, Agatha now is 36. You also can't but,
0: put an old head on young shoulders, Simmons.
2: Yeah, but Agatha is kind of a guiding uh, As I always tell people, Jackie Silva brought Sandra Perez in and got him to a world championship Olympic medal. Jackie was in her 30s. Sandra was young. <clears throat> Sandra Perez started playing with Agatha. She brought Agatha in, so she was a mentor. Now you got Agatha mentoring Duda. And Brazil's had a wonderful transition. And, uh, you know, uh, I think, you know, It'd be hard for me not to bet on Agatha and Duda being on top of the women's podium. Ooh. But how does everything happen? And, uh, you know, how does Agatha, you know, she's a little bit older and, you know, and does Duda, you know, a call goes against you? Who knows? It's yeah. uh, it's that. But uh, well, I just that's... think Agatha, going off the last tournament, Agatha and Duda, Bruno and Evandro, could be the favorites coming in yeah. just because of what they played in Warsaw.
0: Well, Warsaw was won by the Australians. Up at yeah, Australians. Yeah, the the Aussies. Um, how do you feel about Taliqua Clancy and Maria Fay Artacho? Like they've been f- they've been flying as well, meddling in um, Charmen, um and then winning. Uh, sorry, making the final in Xinjiang, and then off the back of that, winning their first of the year in
2: warsaw like they, they, they've got a chance as well oh i think they definitely have a chance but again the pressure winning in warsaw and winning in hamburg is two different things because you're in warsaw they probably didn't have a lot of people there there was no polish team but now you're going to be in germany the big show the lights are going to be going off mm-hmm. you got challenge replay you got mm-hmm. all this stuff and so the setting is, to me, is how do you handle that pressure? Yep. They have yep. the ability. Um, I told this to Carrie Podhurst. I said, how does it feel that all your records are out the window? Yeah, you're the Olympic 2000 champions, but those girls have won more matches than you. Yeah, You know, more girl models and this and that. She says, ah, how can they handle the pressure? Because Carrie Pottharst and Natalie Cook handle the pressure on home sand and they had everybody in the country looking at them they were the number one seeds and they beat adriana and sheldon so to me yes that's the big question about the aussies can they handle the pressure they're a good team yeah and they have a chance but how can they handle the pressure
0: yeah that was their second olympics though wasn't it for cook and potast is that correct they meddled
2: olympic medal yeah
0: yeah they, they meddled in atlanta and then they took gold in sydney is that right
2: one of the great great medals for them they had played a little bit on the US tour in 96 and 95, but they really hadn't been beaten the American teams. To win the medal in uh, uh, Atlanta, they defeated a, a team from US in the uh, uh, second round of elimination. They defeated a team from the US in quarterfinals, and they defeated a team from the US in bronze man. So again, those ladies handled the pressure of Atlanta where yeah. the Americans couldn't handle it. Yeah. And. And the thing about them, they got there early. They they got into the environment. The Americans showed up like a day before, and you know, they they they, they thought because they were in America, they were going to win. And the Aussies just kicked fanny. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so that's a great way of putting it. I might say that in my broadcast. <laughs> I might yeah. Put that out there. That's that's hey, amazing. Natalie, me. I
2: mean, but again, Natalie Cook and Kerry. Big-time players making big-time plays and big-time games, and, and that's what I look at. Uh, we have a player here in the States called Deion uh, Sanders, prime-time. And how's everybody going to handle prime-time? Laura Woodgood, Kerry, uh, Kira Walkenhurst handled the prime-time in uh, at the World Championships in Vienna. But more importantly, look how they handled the prime-time in Brazil. Yeah, yeah, They beat the Brazilian team. And here was Talita and uh, Larissa, the favorites. They couldn't handle the primetime. How do you handle it? And that's the unknown factor. to get into their minds and how you handle it. Uh, obviously, Laura has more pressure on her now because she's playing with a new partner. She's just coming off a child, uh, birth and everything. <coughs> but she's got the weight of the German people on her. And it's going to be tough. I hope she does well but it's, you know, it's tough. And all those German teams will have a certain amount of more pressure on them than that. And give them a thing, they came through in, um, when was it, in uh, uh, 2005, um, they finished third and fourth in the world championships on the men's side. The women couldn't handle the pressure, but the men came through and that was uh, Kel Schneider and I think, it was Julius there? Maybe it was Julius. I gotta think, gotta look at my schedule here. Yeah. uh who was it yeah julius brink and that's when julius kind of broke onto the scene where he and chel snyder uh um you know got the gold medal and uh, uh i mean the bronze medal
0: yeah and then obviously he went on a romantic relationship with recommend for a long time they won the world champs then they won the limb well they
2: they handled it well and they won the world championship in 2009 and then obviously in london getting that and um uh, uh you know they uh, they trained hard and and they paced themselves. You know where the Brazilians were playing in almost every tournament. Uh, Jonas and Julius kind of paced themselves and really didn't get themselves burned down. Yeah, and of course. Injury, huh? Injuries were a problem I don't always think, for Brent. Recommend. The Olympics and World Championships are easy events compared to a mm-hmm. World Tour event. You only have to play one match a day.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Whereas in a World Tour, you might play two to three, depending on the schedule. Yeah. That's... Back in the old days, Todd Rogers used to say, "I'm not warmed up until my fifth match of the day," because they used to play five matches back in the old days. Yeah, and and let me tell. You, and that was side out scoring.
0: Todd Todd Rogers, the professor, probably yeah, one of the best, if not the best, the world's ever seen, or one of the smartest for sure. Yeah, L- legend. Um. Okay, a couple of quick. Oh, fi- of Luke,
2: i wanted to add one thing here yeah you were talking about changes one of the biggest changes to the sport has been the coaching yeah and the coaching because they're watching other matches back in the days when i first started a team a would be playing and their next opponent was team b but they couldn't watch it and they didn't have any film or anything like that and nowadays every match seems like it's uh, you can get a copy of the match Um, You know, players watch everybody, they see everything. If they're playing, their coach who can't be coaching on the sideline may be watching the other match where they might have someone else filming. And so I think the coaching and the technology of the coverage of the sport has really changed the sport. So teams are better prepared for matches. And the countries that have, you know, big time programs, you know, they have trainers and masseuses and then they have coaches. And team handlers, and yeah, so it, it's such a different game that way compared to what it was when yeah. I first came on in well, the even, late nineties or uh, early two thousands. Even
0: since I've started coaching, the yeah, it's, there's always been video around, but the access to it, even in the last ten years, and how quickly it loads on your computer. So there would have, there's a time where it would have taken an hour or two hours for the video to even load. Now you can be watching that video instantly. So where you'd have to plan your video sessions, the access that you get now is even even quicker because it can be on your laptop in an instant and then you're watching it you're, you're planning for your for your next game or whenever so quickly. That, that's a key bit. I, I also think the Europeans are incredible with their analysis and they like the Dutch for example have got one guy who just he travels with them to analyze right. every single match and there's there's um, Australia the same they're taking a guy for video and analysis everywhere. And I think that's one, play, maybe how uh, the Europeans are maybe one step ahead of maybe even Brazil and the USA in the fact that they're taking people and they're valuing that, um, analytical side really highly at the moment.
2: Well, and it's very unfortunate. I was having a conversation with one country, won't name you who, and they were, they were kind of moaning about this. And then I said, well, have you ever thought, uh, when you go to an event and you have four teams in the main draw, that it's not four individual teams out there playing, it's one unit. Because if a weaker team from te- this country can beat another country that's more powerful, that helps your top team. It's like cycling. You know how you got uh, uh, you know, the group there, and they're trying to help the their team get up there, and they're drafting and this and that. Same way. And that's why Brazil's always been so good is – they can beat everybody and upset, so the lesser teams can upset a higher team from the US or something. It makes the path to the finals easier. And so sometimes you got to hope that your teams are successful as a group, that they can knock off people, that it protects your top team so they have an easier route. Yeah, Look yeah. at the London Olympics. Yep. Because what Kessie and Ross did, it paved the way for the third gold medal. Because mm-hmm. Kessie and Ross were always saying, huh we got a medal. We're happy. Yeah, yeah. And and so the pressure was off them. They didn't have... And that was a terrible gold medal match. What well, was it, like 15-13 or something like that? Yeah, it was over
0: very quickly. I was there. Yeah, it was over very yeah. quick. Fascinating. What, what's the best team you've seen? Best, best team you've ever seen live?
2: Live? Oh. You know, going back... Uh, uh, you know, Karch and Steffi's at the 96 Olympics was on a mention. And the best beach volleyball match ever, in my mind, I mean, there's several of them, but uh, uh, it was the 96 uh, quarterfinals in Atlanta, Karch and Steffi's versus Sinjin St. and Carl Hinkle. Because here was Sinjin, uh, the first legend in the sport, Karch, who, you know, was going for... Um, uh, the gold medal sweep indoor beach. And they, they were intense rivals. And of course, Karch really didn't like the FIBB and this and that. And Sinjin was the, what I call one of the founding fathers of the FIBB movement for beach volleyball. And that was a hell of a match. Came down to the end. It was very close. And, uh, it was a super, I mean, it made the finals between Dodd, Whitmarsh and Karch and Steffi's team, but that was a hell of a match. Uh, another one, uh, I remember would be uh, uh, Jonas and uh, 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 Brink winning the 2000 World Championships along with Kessie and Ross. That was a big time event. Two teams that you didn't expect to win because Brazilians were favored, and they won it. Uh, then I go back to uh, Rogers and Dalhauser playing uh, Marcio and uh, I don't know if it was Fabio, whoever they were playing in, uh, uh, I can't remember, but one of the sets was like (laughs) 41-39, you know? It was just a heck of a match where, you know, people say, ah, it's just side-out. Man, once you get past that hybrid, it's great. And then down in Acapulco, uh, Carrie and uh, Misty are playing uh, Julianne and Larissa and had one of those 41-39 sets. And, uh, you know, you remember things because it was just – every point you were hanging on. And if whoever got that lead and that, you know, that set, well, God, they were serving for the set and the other team would tie it up and then go ahead. And, and that, that and that's the beauty of when you get those extended matches. If that team A gets a lead and team B's, you know, got a tie, then go ahead. And I mean, you just, you see the thing. And of course, then you're looking at the weather. Uh, uh, look at the Olympics in 2016 because uh, Allison and Bruno got beat in pool play, they got thrown into the same draw with uh, Phil and Nick from the US and the match was decided on win, because it was blowing like hell, and whoever won the toss was going to win the match in the third set and the Brazilians won it and what a change and so, you know, you look at that and uh, there's been some great, great matches and even looking at the uh, um, what was it, the the Rome thing with Juliana Larissa versus Kerry and Misty. They're up 13-10 in third set. The Americans, the Brazilians came back to win. What year year was that in in Rome? Huh?
0: How far back was that in Rome? What year? Uh,
2: It was in the gold medal match at the World Championships. Yeah. And uh, and I just remember Misty and Kerry just being stunned in the press conference that they blew it. And they usually, if they got a three-point lead, take it to the bank, they were going to win. And very seldom do you not see them finish out a match. That's what made them such a great team. They, they, uh, they could finish matches. And teams that learn how to finish, it, and then see, that's where Mole and Sorum have been doing very well. Uh, they have learned at a young age how to finish matches. Uh, Allison and Bruno, when they had that great street in 2016, going through the Olympics. They knew how to finish matches. It's funny and you say uh, that.
0: Uh, in Warsaw, did you see the semi the semi final between the Vikings and the Russians? Russians were. 14. I didn't
2: see. I didn't see that one just because I was off doing something else.
0: Yeah, it's fourteen eleven to the Russians, and the Vikings pegged it back to win. I think twenty one nineteen, and yeah, they managed to. That was in the third, so they managed to save three set points. Um, I think it was one defensive play from Christian, and then two two kill blocks from Anders and then they just were so patient to buy their chance. And it took them until like 2019 to to take that opportunity to, to take their set point, but so calm. So, so calm. Um, if you- Well, could... that's
2: the, the experience factor. You just, mm. you know, they've been together. Uh, the Russians are still a fairly new team in some respects. Uh, I mean, the Vasilikov is a, um, or whatever his name is, is such a great defensive player. Is going to be a long-time standout on this circuit. He, what is he? 23, 24 now, and been playing a long time. I mean, Russia has yeah, done a marvelous job at developing beach talent.
0: Yep, I could could not could not dis- uh, Sorry, could not agree with you more. If you could have any team playing from the past in this World Championship that you think would have a chance of winning in the men's and women's who would it be? Or do you think the level is getting crazy?
2: Well, um, you know, obviously age plays a factor, but if it, if, if you could take Cart and Steffes from the 90s and put him in the World Championships, would be there. If you could take Phil and Todd from that 2007-2008 run and put him in the Championships, you take Carrie and Misty from their... Um, 2003, five, 7 run and put them in there. Um, that would be wonderful. Um, Jackie Silva and Sonda Perez. Jackie Silva was a a shot maker, and uh, uh, they you it'd be wonderful. Adriana and Shelda. Uh, you would love to see those players competing, but you can't. And uh, but Brazil, you know, uh, they will always have good teams because. Uh, the sport is such a big thing there, yes, and that. And, uh, that, and um, you know, the Germans have great residue, you know, from uh, winning uh, London and winning uh, Rio and everything. And Germany's got a good fortune, but uh, they're kind of retooling right now. I hate to say "tooling" with "tool" in there, but uh, you know, he's going to be a force to reckon with uh, for a long time. He's very sense. good, and uh, you know, to a partner being able to side out. Sorum is the key on some respect because he side out so well.
0: So and good, just goes away from the body like his vision of the block and the way he goes away from the body is unbelievable.
2: When I first came on the beach, I asked, him, I said, "What's the number one thing a team has to learn? A player learn how to side out because mm-hmm. if you side out, the other team ain't scoring. Yep. And if you look at uh, Raleigh scoring, what's the key? Got to side out. Yep. You c- cannot give up points." when you're uh, uh you know when you're they was when they're serving you you've got to be able to score and if a team can side out you've got a chance and and that you you look at it the new teams have trouble sometimes because they get frustrated yeah teams are doing things and and uh, that and you know teams are smart who to serve with I mean I've heard you comments are well they've been serving the whole match to this player now they're serving this player why is that yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> just just shifting the rhythm of the whole the whole game yeah. Last question. Go ahead. Who's your favorite one team to win the World Championships in Hamburg? Who's it going to be? Men and then women?
2: I'll take the easy way out. Bowl and Sorum for the men, just because I think they're on a heck of a run. And uh, I'm going to say uh, Laura and Maggie for uh, the women. You got in Ludwig and sure. oh, that would yeah. be that would be. I, I I forecasted the people after um, looking at the Cubans in two thousand sixteen, Navarro and um, Gonzalez. Those Cubans were great players, and I went in there and I told everybody they're going to win the gold medal. Yeah, ah, yeah, yeah, this and that. <laughs> they win their pool. They had pool. They had the Latvians. Yeah, Alex and. Uh, honest they had
0: uh bruno and they had the canadians okay i don't i don't bet i don't i don't bet on volleyball anymore but when i was in rio covering table tennis i bet on the cubans to win their pool and it was 40 40 to 1 and me and my a good friend of mine aiden had a bet on them and they made us made us good money because they we, we knew how good they were from the world championships and we're like they're going to win their pool have the same thought
2: yeah but i'm gonna just i'm gonna go out and land and say that I look for Laura and Maggie, because Laura's a heck of a player. Maggie's still in that transitional phase from the indoor game to the beach game. Uh, obviously, she's physically not as strong as Kira, because Kira was, a she was a horse out there. <laughs> yeah, She big strong lady, uh, too bad her shoulders are out. I mean, if she was still playing, they'd be in favorites for sure. But uh, uh, I'm gonna go out on the limb and I'm going to look stupid to a lot of people because they might not even advance out of their pool. Yep. But uh, Laura's a big-time player, makes big-time plays and big-time games.
0: Yep, that's it. Um, okay, I'm going to do mine as well. I'm going to go Maul and Sorum, and I'm going to go for Australia in the women.
2: Not a bad pick. Uh, let me tell you, uh, I talked to Louise Barton, uh, she's coaching at Stanford now yeah. with Andrew Fuller, who's the uh, the husband of Lauren Fidrat. And I asked her about her match because, you know, some way I thought that Kerry and April would lose in that quarterfinals to the uh, Bodden and Clancy. And she says, you know, the problem was we just did not handle the pressure. Okay. So I'm going to come back with the Aussies. Can they handle the pressure? They did last year in Hamburg. You know mm-hmm. they got a bronze medal at the World Tour Final. So this the atmosphere they all know it. But again, now you got people talking at you. You got interviews. Mm-hmm. You're on a big stage. Who are you playing? Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 I think they're a team that's capable. But again, my question to them: How will they handle the pressure? Yeah,
0: well, that's very very good. He's well, I would say who's your outsiders for a medal, but you've gone for a big a big bookie shot on Laura Ludwig and Maggie Kozak. Who would be your outsider to medal? So somebody who you don't expect to. So, for example, I would go with... Oh, I didn't even think about this myself. Outsiders, I would go with the Grimault brothers as an outsider to get a medal. Good um, And I would maybe go... For oh you go and then I'm coming back to it
2: <laughs> I'm going to go uh, uh, for me I think the Grimwalds are a good uh, a good pick on there but uh, uh, you know I like the Italians Lupo and um, yeah. them. I, you know they're there I just I kind of like what their chances of being in there um, looking at the uh, other field let me look at it uh, 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 the second Russian team um, God, I'm trying to think uh, uh uh, who was it, uh, Simonov, and uh, who he's playing with will be a factor. It uh, starts with an L. Right? I'm drawing a blank here. Then on the women, yeah. the European champions, Kaiser and Meppelinke, could be a factor. Big, strong team. Uh, you know, uh, uh, they, they could be a factor there. They handled Kerry and Brooke pretty easily in the, uh, mm-hmm. I think it was in, um, was that in the Czech Republic? in a bronze medal match. I think that's where it was. So I think that could be a, uh, a factor on it. So, but th- I, you know, there's going to be some surprises. It's, it's talk, uh, uh, once we get to the elimination round. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, we're going to, I want to try and talk to you while we're out in Hamburg anyway, and pick up on this, uh, maybe a preview for the final. Cause I'm going to try and record one, maybe just off my phone while we're out there. Cause I don't think I'm going to have too much time. Um, so to speak my, do you know what? <sighs> I can't think of a women, women's outside team because it's so open for a medal. I'm going to go for um, Laura and Maggie Kozak as well, but that's going to be my outside shot for a medal, not for a uh, not for the win.
2: Yeah, and let me tell you, Borger and Swede from uh, mm. uh, from Germany could be a factor too. That's an experienced team. <clears throat> they haven't done well this year uh, together. You know with all the changes but they could be a factor on it and uh, you never know how that home crowd you know the home crowd could help you tremendously because it pumps you up and you play and laura and kira you know used it to their advantage <clears throat> a couple times there in germany <clears throat> excuse me and um but on the other hand sometimes the home crowd could put a lot of pressure on you yep i agree and and so, you just never know how to handle it. And again, a lot depends on your opponent, a lot depends on the weather, a lot depends on who's refereeing. You know, not that the referees are gonna make bad calls, but sometimes, I remember the Lossica brothers. Sometimes they were get so <laughs> busted. The team so busted. hating
0: each other. They never talked to each other, the yes, Lossica brothers, they, apart yeah, from...
2: They couldn't get called, call. And you know, sometimes people don't handle that well, and uh, they get mad, so... Uh, you know it uh, there's so many variables out there people always say that but that's the beauty of sports that why we watch it and we always love to see the underdogs i agree
0: well thank you so much that's all we've got time for thank you so much for coming on um well
2: probably uh, a wandering interview with a guy that likes to go many places and never focus so thank you very much for having me
0: Right, so that was Tim Simmons on Freeball, the Volleyball podcast, where we're all eyes on Hamburg. Thank you very much to Sam Dunbavin for coming on and hosting the show with me today. Please keep an eye on everything. Please share it as well. Make sure you share the podcast. We're hoping to provide lots of insights from Hamburg and hoping that we can obviously keep growing the podcast, keep passing the pod. You can find us on Instagram, Freeball Pod. You can find us on Facebook, and you can obviously download this as you're aware by now, because you're already listening to it on all major podcast platforms. But from us, it's goodbye for now. And hopefully you'll hear from us in the next couple of days with some more interviews and reviews and just general chats about who's going to win the world champs. I don't think anybody knows. Anyway, thank you and goodbye.